So, Bill English, uh, welcome back. Thank you. How are you today? Well, I'm well today. You and I are both better off than uh, than folks in Nebraska and oh, yeah. uh, other flood-stricken regions of the country. Um, and so we want to direct people to Bible and Business dot uh, com today if they are um, if they are looking for resources related to you know how to respond um, to these kinds of devastating things that happen if it's your family business I know that one of the things you have posted there is the emotional price that owners pay when their business is failing and when we look at what's happening um, across well not just Nebraska but let's just focus in there because I think it's just easier for us to you know, to isolate the conversation or limit the conversation a little bit. But obviously, folks across the region know um, that they're included in this as well. Uh, many of them are facing total economic devastation. Um, some have lost their entire herd. Families um, have lost their homes. And when, you know, when you add to the fact that those uh, those herds of cattle or those fields that are now um, underwater and, you know, and possibly going to not be plantable this year, um, when you add to that that these are this is the family business, um, talk with us uh, a little bit about the, the added level of stress um, that 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 puts on things. When you know you're, it's not just that we've lost this physical possession; it's that we've lost the hope and promise of making the money that we're going to need to replace the possession. Like, just talk with us a little bit about that stress. Yeah, I think that's the big part of the stress is the last part that you, that you just mentioned. It isn't so much the loss, although the loss is very stressful. It's that I don't have a way to replace the loss because my ability to produce income was taken away when I incurred the loss, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I don't have a way, if, if my revenue generating engine is taken away from me, then what do I have really? I mean, I have nothing, right? I still might uh, have ownership of some land and on, on paper ownership of a herd. But uh, if if those aren't available to me to generate revenue, then I really have nothing. And I think that's really the kicker in all of this. Business owners almost always experience loss. We always do. And we lose things. We lose income. We lose employees. We lose product lines. Uh, we sometimes lose our homes. But there's always that hope that I can make it back. But what if the make it back is taken away from you? I think that's the really hard part. Yeah, so I read this um, just brief testimony from this fifth-generation Nebraska rancher. His name is Anthony. I'm not going to try to pronounce his Czechoslovakian last name. But he's a fifth-generation Nebraska rancher, um, and uh, and he uh, was in – his land is in the face of what's called the Spencer Dam, and it was failing – um, the wall of water swallowed up his calves and all of his bulls, along with his farmhouse, the outbuildings, his feed bins, the original log cabin that was built when his family came from Czechoslovakia to homestead in 1880. And he said this, I'm 39 years old. I don't have children. The cows are my kids, and my farm is now completely destroyed. Maybe it's a sign from God to go and do something else. Just, um, just speak a word of hope to Anthony this morning. Well, maybe it is God's sign, right? Maybe that is God uh, saying through circumstances, it's time for you to move on and this family business as a farm is over. Look, whenever God wants to move us, he always makes us pretty uncomfortable where we're at first. Because uh, if we're kind of fat and sassy, we're probably not going to want to move very fast into what God has for us next. So, uh, you know, 
the other thing is is that circumstances uh, can never tell us what we ought to do, but they sure can tell us what we can and can't do. And so in Anthony's case, boy, my heart goes out to him. But yeah, at 39, maybe God is moving him along and he should uh, pay attention to that. And, you know, that's, so, that's but, you know, Carmen, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, Isn't I know. It? And it's just, it's, it, but it's so hard to say out loud, right? Um, I mean, I, you and I uh, have both experienced in our own lives, in our own journeys, um, places along the way where the road ended. Like we literally came to the end of the road in terms of an opportunity, in terms of the leadership of a business, um, in terms of something that we thought was going to maybe go further and produce more. Um, and so, uh, you know, I do want people to know that you and I are speaking to this concern today out of our own um, experiences of uh, of the roads of aspirations having come to an end, of having experienced genuine um, personal and, and family loss, and the challenge, the emotional challenges, the questions we ask about ourselves in the midst of that. Um, and then the, all right, um, it's a new day. I am still God's person. God is still sovereign. There are still resources available. They may just be different and in different places than I expected them to be. And the future filled with hope that God has planned may lead to a different place than I imagined. Um, and so I think that, um, you know, when when you and I are uh, are remembering the claim and the promises of God, we're also doing so out of an experience of God's faithfulness. Yes. <clears throat> Much like Hannah, who had to literally give up her dream of having a son before God would give her Samuel. Um, sometimes uh, God takes away our dream and only to supplant it with a better, uh, more, uh, more impactful dream that he wants us to engage in. And so, yeah, you and I have both had loss, and we may have loss again in the future, but the one thing that we never lose is the Lord. We never lose him. And we're only on this earth for such a short time. And then we go to heaven, and we're with Christ in eternity. And we never have loss, never have sadness there. And whatever loss we experience here is really temporal, just like whatever success we have here is always very temporal as well. Our hope is not in having a comfortable life here. Our hope is in being with the Lord in heaven and uh, really uh, being completely fulfilled by him and being able to love on him uh, without anything hindering us. And to me, that's 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 something that can never be taken away. So you make uh, four really good observations um, about, you know, when a when a family business does not do well and fear right comes in and can be very intense. Um, you make some really good observations about how a family can manage their fear. Why don't you share those with folks? Uh, yeah, real quick. Uh, acknowledge that your economic security is directly a result of God's generosity. Right. Deuteronomy 8 says that he gives us the ability to create wealth. And he may take away our ability to create wealth at some point if he wants to move us along. So uh, whatever economic security we have, whatever economic wealth we have, is always a result of God's generosity. Secondly, uh, you need to have people you can talk to. Family business owners especially always like to keep a kind of a positive outlook smile on their face, everything's going well, yeah, life is good kind of thing. 
and it's uh, it's something that uh, they, they're kind of keeping up appearances, right? Uh, they need a place where they can kind of drop the facade at, at some point and have somebody they can talk to outside of the family, uh, people who can who can speak some truth into their lives and some encouragement as well. Uh, the third one's a hard one. Disconnect your personal wealth from your business wealth. Business will create a lot of wealth, and a lot of business owners co-mingle personal and business funds. I encourage business owners to uh, separate the two and to uh, view the business wealth as an entrustment from the Lord to be used for the kingdom and personal wealth uh, to be used for the kingdom as well, but in a different vein and in a different way. And then lastly, uh, remember and claim the promises of God. You remember Philippians 4, 8, that uh, he will supply our needs. He will always do that. And uh, what, we, what we think we need and what God thinks we need may be two different things. But let's, let's remember that God has uh, an abundant amount of promises about uh, supplying our needs. And those uh, promises can be claimed, uh, especially when we're facing the fear of an uncertain future with our family business. So if you are um, if you are a person in the flood affected region today, um, we want you to first of all hear uh, hear the the counsel of God and the consolation of God's people that you're not alone and you're not forgotten and God sees you and we see you, and then um, a word to everyone who's listening who's not in the flood affected zone. Um, we are the people who have now the opportunity to live more simply that some of our neighbors and fellow uh, citizens can now simply live. And we're going to have to make sacrifices in order that others can, um, can, in some cases, rebuild family farms so that the rest of us can eat next year, right? So there's a, um, there's a reciprocal relationship that we have with the farmers of America, um, and so let's not forget that today. Hey, Bill English and I will be back in just a moment to continue this conversation uh, from the thebibleandbusiness.com. So you, if you're just joining us, you are listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm the host, Carmen LaBerge. My conversation partner is Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. He tweets at Minnesota Bill. Um, and we've been talking about family-owned businesses. Um, Bill, let's talk uh, a little bit about the risk that each and every one of us assumes when we enter into uh, a business of any kind, but particularly when we're talking about assuming risk as a family business. Yeah, risk is something that has to be assumed in order to run a family business, right? And by the way, this is generalizable to ministry because you never have significant ministry without significant risk. Somebody somewhere in order to do a significant ministry is going to have to take significant risk. So how do we, how does, what does the Bible kind of say about risk, right? I've, I've asked myself that question uh, more than a few times. Um, so a couple things right off the bat. First, the risk uh, that you assume should uh, further the core purposes for your business or your ministry. If the risk doesn't really do that, then it's not a good risk to assume. And secondly, you should never violate your core values to assume the risk. And this is especially important when it comes to debt. If you uh, have a strong view on not going into debt, and assuming a risk requires going into debt, for example, buying a building or or employing a person, uh, then uh, 
then you don't want to violate your core values to assume that risk. Um, the potential negative consequences, what happens to the risk? Because risk always represents danger, right? Uh, we, we there, There's a potential danger that if certain eventualities take place, the risk is going to become a danger and that's going to injure us in some way. So those negative consequences, those injuries, should be proportional to the positives uh, that you're assuming in the risk, right? In other words, we assume the risk to further a positive. But if, uh, if, um, if the consequences aren't proportional to that, if they're way out of proportion, then you probably don't want to assume that risk. So those are at least three things uh, uh, to consider. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just uh, going to make the observation that in the culture in which we live today, this has probably always been true, but but different now that social media is such a part of our everyday lives. Um, the risk that we assume in in taking things on today um, can be very public and it can have nothing to do with money. Like there are some risks that we incur when we enter into conversations, when we enter into roles and responsibilities um, that I think are different than uh, than they have been in the past. I guess I'm thinking, Bill, this morning of um, of Kellyanne Conway, who's one of you know President Trump's key advisors. And I'm wondering if she counted the cost when she took that position of the public humiliation that her husband was going to endure, um, you know, by her employer. And, and, you know, when you think about the way we treat one another and the risk that we incur, um, some of it is intensely personal. Can you talk with us about assuming risk that's not just financial, but assuming risk? In, I mean, when we enter into any position, we are, we are assuming the risk of the people with whom we're aligning ourselves. We're assuming the risk associated with, you know, that ministry's history or the present challenges that a business is facing. Like, you have assumed some risk in those roles. So just talk with us about the process of counting the cost of all of those risks. Boy, uh, reputational risk. Um, oh, see, I didn't have a word risk. for it. I didn't have a word for it. There it is, credibility or reputational risk. Yeah. Yeah, reputational risk is part and parcel of running a business, starting a ministry, or helping to turn around a business or a ministry. And so you just have to know what you're about, and you have to let God take care of your reputation. I came to believe a long time ago that I I am not, uh, let me put it a different way, it is not my business what people think of me. It just, it's not my business. My business is to be the person God has called me to be, right, and to be um to try to follow him as best I can. But if uh, if I go into a particular business, and this has happened, I've gone into businesses and not been liked. I've gone into uh, places that needed to be turned, and uh, I was not the popular guy, right? And I, I can't take that on. You just You just can't take that on. Now, the Kellyanne Conway thing, I was stunned that the president, you know, did that. I, I think he's a guy who's just, uh, lacks any kind of social graces at all. Um, and so. Well, you and I'll get just, in trouble if we go any further with that conversation here. So, um, but, uh, but I do think that when, um, when we are having conversations as Christians in the culture, 
We yeah. need to be about the Father's business. Like, right, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was about the Father's business. And he, um, and we're in a family business. And because we are kingdom people, which we're children of God, we are ambassadors, um, you know, and we're, uh, we're co-heirs, like, right, we're co-heirs of the kingdom. That, that means we are in the Father's business and advancing kingdom and the kingdom purposes um, should we should look at that and say it's 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 ultimately to my advantage that I move forward the things of the Father um, in this world and so I I appreciate how um, how you bring us back to uh, to those principles and to um, just remind us that we need to be we need to be centered on the things of uh, of the Lord and we need to you know have that be not only our clarion call. But sort of the thing that we're focused on, not worrying. Um, I love this line that you just delivered. It's not my business what other people think about me, and that just reminds me that my business is being about the Father's business um, because I'm in I'm in His family business. When you are a representative of somebody else, your personal reputation doesn't matter. What matters is protecting the reputation of the one that you're representing, and that's what we do with Christ, right? You know, this when 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 ministries go belly up, when pastors go haywire, my heart doesn't hurt for the pastor as much as it hurts for the reputation of Christ. And so it just seems to me that um, two things. Number one, we all represent Christ. So our primary the primary reputation that we protect is the one of Christ, not of ourselves. Number two, to the extent that it's within our power, we should try to protect the reputations of others by not speaking negatively about them or by not uh, letting information about them out that really shouldn't be out if if we happen to know some dirt. So uh, we protect the reputation of Christ and we protect the reputation of others to the extent we can. And we do not uh, choreograph our lives to try to create a great legacy or reputation for ourselves. God will take care of that on on his own. Bill English, always uh, always a feast this time of day to be with you. Thank you so much. You guys could check out BibleAndBusiness.com for more with Minnesota Bill. I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. <laughs> 